Peace to you, brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text for our sermon is Exodus chapter 19, verses 2 through 8. After they set out from Rephidim and came to the wilderness of Sinai, they camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob and to tell the people of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will carefully listen to my voice and keep my covenant, then you will be my special treasure out of all the nations. Although the entire earth is mine, you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. Moses went and summoned the elders of the people, and he set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together, Everything that the Lord has said, we will do. This is the word of our Lord. If you've ever been around the corner and seen somebody coming, but you didn't see them, you just saw their shadow. Maybe you couldn't quite tell by their footsteps how big they were. You might not know if they were happy or sad, if they were even a male or a female, or what age they were. Well, the whole Old Testament boils down to this message. Christ is coming. And this text today is one of the big events in the Old Testament. It's been three months since God did all those plagues and brought them out of Egypt. And now he makes this two-sided covenant with them that if they remain faithful to him, he'll make them a holy people that will shine out with his righteousness. He'll bless them with rain and they will conquer that promised land. But if they break it, then the deal's off. Now, that is, in a way, meant to be a foreshadow of the new covenant. Now, we've got to be careful because this covenant is law. So, like I said, a foreshadow, like that shadow coming around the corner. Because the new covenant is simple. God took on human flesh and lived and died for you so that he has given you salvation. But as all the Old Testament, in one way or another, points ahead and says Christ is coming, today we'll ask that question, how did the old covenant foreshadow the new? And again, if you'll allow me to preach on my own translation of the Hebrew text, just because there's a few things I want to point out. So there they are at the camp. And where God tells Moses in verse 3, you are to say the following to the house of Jacob and you are to make it known to the house of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and that I carried you on eagles' wings. Then I brought you to me. Notice he makes it very clear and very emphatic. You guys have seen it. You've seen it with your own eyes. You and I see this with the eyes of faith. But they saw the plagues. They crossed the Red Sea as God parted it for them and then swallowed up Pharaoh's pursuing army. There's a beautiful picture, though, that God gives here when he talks about carrying them on eagles' wings. You and I can't fly. God did not design us to fly. There's no way those Egyptians could fly unless God carried them. Now here we're talking about a word picture. But that points back to the fact that they had been enslaved in Egypt. And there was nothing they could do to free themselves. The Egyptians had become cruel oppressors. They needed a conquering army to come in and free them. God was that conquering army. Between the plagues and everything, God brought them out. 
Now, like I said, this is a law covenant here uh, in many ways. But here, God is the one by his grace that he did all the carrying. And that's the same for your and my salvation. In our natural state, we are slaves to the devil. We don't even realize we've been enslaved by the devil. Ask an atheist if they know that they're property of the devil. They're absolutely clueless to it. But he's not a loving master at all, is he? And he uses that sinful nature of ours to keep the chains of slavery on us. There's no way we could escape that because we were born mean, lean, sin machines. And so God took on human flesh and he lived perfectly for you. He carried you because you have to be righteous and you and I both fall short of the law under temptation every day. And so he was perfect and credits you with that. But he also has to remove your sin. And so he shed his blood on the cross, died for you and rose. So we could say he used the cross like a sledgehammer to bust the chains of your shackles of slavery to the devil. In fact, not only did he say, you're no longer a slave, you're free. He said, I have paid your adoption price. You are sons and daughters of God. Now, you'll notice here that he is very clearly talking to the people, the Israelites, that he had led out of Egypt. Because Christians get confused today, and they think this Sinaitic covenant, and, and after, this is just a summary of it, because it's going to go all the way through Leviticus with the Ten Commandments, the moral law, and with all the laws of priests, and all the laws that say, if you do this, you're unclean, and you've got to go stay outside of camp and stay away from BLT sandwiches, because pork is unclean. No pulled pork sandwiches either. So, this is just the summary of all those laws that they had to keep. And people today get confused and think that if they can pass the right laws in America, then they can get these blessings that were meant for Israel. But they lose sight of the fact that the whole point of this covenant was that the people would prepare the world around them and there would be a land ready to receive the birth of our Savior. Now, sadly, you and I know about 40 days after this, they decide when Moses is getting the Ten Commandments from the Lord that he's been up on Mount Sinai too long and they make those golden calves and worship them and break the covenant they'd agreed to. You and I in our natural condition would break the covenant, but God has done the carrying. He has brought us into salvation. So we see the old covenant foreshadowed and prepared for the new because God does all the carrying in both. Now, the Israelites were expected to do something. And that gets us into verse 5. He says, And now if you listen carefully to my voice and so watch over my covenant, then you will be my treasured possession from all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. God makes a point here. If this was the only passage we had that addresses it, when God says, for all the earth is mine, it makes it abundantly clear that they weren't to chase after false gods like Baal, because if all the earth is God's, God is the only God. Baal is not the God of rain. If God is the God of all creation and all of it is, then God's the God of rain. God's the God of grace. God's the God of your salvation, the God of all the universe and the only God. But here the people were expected to do something. And again, the Hebrew says literally, listening to listen, which I translate that therefore, listen carefully or listen very carefully. But there's more to that Hebrew word because it means to listen and obey. 
Not like when I was a teenager and my parents would say, okay, Fred, shovel the driveway, haul in some firewood and feed the fire, and then you can go downtown with your friends. And what I would hear is blah, 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 go downtown with your friends. I wasn't listening and obeying. So the Israelites had to listen and obey to the word. And all of this is just a summary, because like I said, all the way through Leviticus, God is going to elaborate on what that is. But we know they didn't do it, did they? They made those golden calves. Now, the same, though, in a way is true for you, and we've got to be careful how we understand that. The law makes ten demands, but it never empowers you to keep them. The law is like an umpire. All it can do is call strike, foul, ball, etc., but it can't make you hit the home run. The gospel makes one demand. It demands that you believe it. But you cannot do that on your own. God has to do that. And God does that by the word or the sacraments, which is the word combined with an earthly element. So God actually sends somebody into your life to share the word of God in that created faith. And with that Holy Spirit in your heart now, you are drawn to come to the word where your faith is strengthened and nourished. And it's important because... Our sinful nature is a puppet to the devil. And he has a lot of tricks that he uses our sinful nature to do. One of them is, oh, go ahead and just commit that sin. It's so small. God's not even going to notice that. No big deal. And then we do the sin. And then that sinful nature of ours, being the devil's puppet, screams out, how could you do that? That was so big. You are so rotten. God will never forgive you. And so it's important for us to listen to that word and hear again God say, now the devil's lying again. I died on the cross for that sin. I've washed it clean. And that word empowers us in our life of sanctification, which we're going to get into that in a minute, where we struggle with our sinful nature to glorify God, not in order to be saved, but because we are saved. So we ask the question, how did the old covenant foreshadow the new? And we've seen God does all the carrying, We must listen carefully to the word. Then God says, and now if you listen carefully to my voice and so watch over my covenant, then you will be my treasured possession from all the peoples for all the earth is mine. God uses a picture now being a treasured possession, treasure to shine through like gold shining and everything. In the New Testament, God uses another picture of how he treasures you. He treasures you as his bride. Because the bride is the invisible church that's made up of all believers, including you. So you shine out with the white robe of Christ's righteousness. Think about this. God loved you so much that he died on the cross for you as if you were the only one that mattered. While at the same time doing that for me as well. He treasures you so much he took on human flesh for you. He planned all creation for you to come and be born in the times you were and hear that word that he wants us to obey so that he could create faith and so that he can nourish you. You really are treasured by the Lord. It's a lesson I had a hard time in learning in my life because... When the Lord loves you, he disciplines you. When the Lord loves you, he allows crosses to come upon you. But he doesn't do it because he's abusive. He does it because he loves you and doesn't want to lose you. So I wish I'd have known this when I was a smart, alecky teenager. And my parents or teachers would say, do you think the whole world revolves around you? Because I could say in Christ, yes, it does. But that would be kind of smart, alecky. That could be misunderstood. 
You are a treasured possession of God, and the invisible church of all believers is his treasured possession. In verse 6, he says, and you yourselves will be my kingdom of priests. Now, we have to be very careful how we read this. Notice he doesn't say, and you yourselves will be my kingdom with priests or of a priesthood. He's calling the Israelites priests. And the amazing thing is, again, we can jump right to 1 Peter, and we are told that you are priests as well. Now, even in pagan religions, when people think of a priest, they think of somebody who talks to the deity for the people and to the people for the deity. Do you realize God sent somebody, a priest in your life, to share the word of God and that brought you with faith? If you're like me, that was my parents bringing me to the baptismal font. If you're like my best friend, that happened to be me uh, in high school sharing the word of God. God has made you a priest and you get to talk as God's mouthpiece whenever you share the law or the gospel. The binding key and the loosing key. And we need both. The binding key, the law, it shows people they are slaves to sin. It's the only way they're going to know it. You are slaves to sin. And when we use the law, we're holding their feet to the fire and saying, Owie, that's not where you want to go. But when they repent of their sin, when they say, woe is me, what shall I do? We get to use the loosing key, the forgiveness of sins. We get to tell them, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, there are people that get confused because there was a Levitical priesthood. And they even were a foreshadow. As I've said, every morning the temple opened, the first sacrifice was a lamb that was sacrificed to atone for the sins of Israel that night. And the last sacrifice before they closed the gates was a lamb to atone for the sins of Israel that day. Again, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when you came, there were thank offerings and fellowship offerings, but a lot of those offerings were for sin. And the priest took your animal and put it on the altar, but he dipped some hyssop and sprinkled its blood on you and announced that your sins were forgiven. That also points to you, again, when you use the loosing key, Christ is using you to assure someone their sins are forgiven. Now, many people get confused again and they think, well, there's this special priesthood and this is meant to point to the pastoral office and this is meant to say that the pastor is in charge and you guys are glorified when the pastor shows and does his job. We call the pastoral ministry a representative ministry. As Martin Luther said, if we all ran forward to baptize the baby, we'd drown it. But we want to be careful here because... No one was the boss of the other. My my niece used to tell me, you're not the boss of me. Just because you have called me to be your pastor, I'm not the boss of you. And you're not the boss of me. We work together as brothers and sisters in Christ. That won't work in the corporate world. That won't work in the marketplace, will it? But it works when you're the bride of Christ. It works in his church. We're working together to use those keys. Another way your priesthood shines out and you often don't even realize it is because that Holy Spirit's in your heart, you have uh, at your vocations of father, mother, aunt, uncle, child, and, and, and your careers, in those vocations with the Holy Spirit in your heart, the love of God is shining through you. We often don't even realize that. And not only is the love of God shining through us, but because God's Holy Spirit's in our heart, even though we have a sinful nature, 
we do use those Ten Commandments as a guide. And the world around you sees the integrity, the honesty in which you conduct yourself. And it often opens up the door. There's something about this person that's different. And God's love is shining through you. And that's because God is using you as a priest. So we see, how did the Old Covenant foreshadow the New? God does the carrying. We must listen carefully to the Word. God makes you a treasured people. And part of that being a treasured people is He's made you a priest. But after saying they'd be priests, he says, and you yourselves will be my kingdom of priests and also my holy nation. They were to shine out with holiness. Think of those people. I've mentioned to you in Bible study that Baal worshipers, that was a very perverse religion. Moloch, they sacrificed babies alive and fried them like sausage. And they were to look out and see the Israelites and see these people who were centered around God, and they would see God's righteousness shining through them, they would see there's where holiness is to be found. The same goes for you. I've mentioned that in the workplace, your life of sanctification shines through. I've mentioned that you are the bride of Christ. You have that white wedding dress of Christ's righteousness. And even though you and I have a sinful nature, and we struggle with that guy all the time, and he often kicks us and trips us up, Christ's righteousness is seen in your life. And a very beautiful thing about that that we often overlook because that sinful nature likes to lie to us. When we struggle with our sin, we're glorifying God because we wouldn't care to struggle with that sin if we didn't have the new man. When we lose the struggle and that sinful nature trips us up, we also forget that God's righteousness is seen when we cling to him with the forgiveness he's given us. So we shine with God's holiness, but not like the Pharisee did, where we go to other people. I'm a Christian. I'm better than you. You're just nothing compared to me, you rotten sinner. No, that's not righteousness, is it? That's not holiness. But when God's love is coming through our heart, and that new man who doesn't sin while struggling with our sinful nature shines through, the world sees Christ's righteousness through you. So we've seen here uh, the Old and the New Covenant But you may notice something strange. We call it the Old Covenant. That was made on Mount Sinai. The New Covenant, the salvation in Christ, was promised to Adam and Eve thousands of years beforehand. So it's kind of confusing terminology, isn't it? The New Covenant is actually the Old Covenant. It's the one God made the promise of salvation. This Sinaitic Covenant was for the people of Israel until the time that Christ would come. And so really, it's better to say, how's the Sinaitic covenant pointing to the salvation in Christ? God does the carrying. We must listen carefully to the word. God makes you his treasured people. God makes you priests. And God has made you a holy nation shining out in a world of darkness. Amen. Now to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his own blood and made us a kingdom and priests to God the Father, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, with your gift of a Savior, you restored hope for our fallen world and brought glory to your name. We thank you for the good news that you have reconciled the world to yourself through your Son. Be with us as you give us opportunities to proclaim your glorious name of salvation in Jesus Christ, our Savior. O Jesus, Lamb of God, we praise you for offering yourself as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of all. 
On the cross, you declared the sacrifice for sins completed. At the open tomb, you assured the world that sinners are reconciled to God. Be with us as you have promised, so that we may be bold and confident witnesses to our family members and friends. Holy Spirit, blessed Counselor, use your word of truth and power to break down the barriers to our witness, including falling mankind's natural hatred for God and Satan's wicked work among us. Empower us by your gospel and encourage us to be faithful, fervent witnesses to the people among whom we live and work. As the COVID-19 virus is growing in Wyoming to the highest level it's been, we ask that you protect our flock here, that we do not catch it, and that we would not have to stop having our worship services for a period of time. Lord, we also ask you, as our oil field industry has seen quite a decrease, that you bless those who have been now laid off and are without work, that many of them can see your hand in guiding them to new vocations and careers as you open those doors, and with others seeing that you return them to the work to which you have called them. But let them see your providing hand as you promise to provide for them. As we celebrate on Saturday of this week the freedom that we have in our country, we ask you, O Lord, to promote a responsible and informed citizenry so that our freedoms are protected and preserved. Hear us, Lord, as we bring you our private petitions. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, send us by the power of your word into the mission fields beyond the walls of our church. Give us hearing ears and seeing eyes that seize the opportunities you set before us to be your witnesses. Guide us, strengthen us, and bless us as we declare Christ to our world. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen.